Welcome to the Orthodontics and Interview Podcast, where Farouk brings you closer to the experts in orthodontics so we can hear their story and learn from their experiences with your host, Farouk Ahmed. Welcome to this episode of Orthodontics in Interview. It's my absolute pleasure to bring you Stefan Decker. So Stefan Decker is a chap I've come across years ago, and I want to give you the background story before I introduce him. So I went for an interview after I qualified as a specialist, and in this nice private practice, and they advertised to me saying they were the second biggest lingual provider in the UK and in Europe. First thing I did was to go home and Google who is the biggest provider of lingual appliances, and it was Stefan Decker. So, Stefan Decker trained in Germany. Uh, he did a specialist training as well as his dental degree from Germany. He then went across to Switzerland, where he did a master's in lingual appliances. He's also been a previous key opinion leader and speaker on the advisory board for 3M. Recently, he's become a COIS recognized specialist from the States. He's one of Invisalign's top 1% providers across Europe when it comes to kids and teens. He's also a key opinion leader for Invisalign. Stefan, welcome to Orthodontics in Interview Podcast. Welcome. I want to say it's such a, an honor to speak here. And I, I'm really excited um, to share some of my journeys over the past few years with you. So really thank you for now, Stefan, this, this is like meeting, you know, when you hear about some of the legends who have just done so much stuff, and then I find out you're only a few years older than me, and it makes me feel even worse about myself. I feel even better about having this interview with you. So it's, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, so, Stefan, one of the first things I really wanted to ask you was that you've been known uh, internationally and internationally for your lingual appliances, and now you seem to have switched over to aligners. I'm really interested to hear how you've made that switch or why you've made it. Well, to be honest, I did not switch to um, Elina. So basically, um, I still love Invisible Orthodontics. Invisible Orthodontics is for me, lingual braces and aligners or combine the two of them, hybrid approaches like lingual and aligners. So what I changed is my target group I want to attract because working in central London, Harley Street, and all the stations I've been, I was focusing on adult market. So to be competitive on adult market, I needed to offer something that is unique, which is lingual braces. So I've done that. I've targeted them and I became really good in it. And I became number one user in the world 2017. But then over the years, things changed. So I got more and more competition from dentists, other clinicians who did a misalign. So I realized the price group I'm working in is not attractive anymore because they might get similar treatment somewhere else with a different tool, which is an aligner. And at the time in Harley Street, the cases I've seen treated by Invisalign or by an aligner were not good, were not well finished. So I had not a good opinion about Invisalign itself because I thought it's not performing. But then in lockdown happened. And when you have time, you reflect and you think, okay, market is changing. A lot of big users in Lingo swapping to um, Invisalign. Why is that? So I contacted a few of them. I listened to every webinar under the sun, read every book under the sun to get knowledge. What is it with these lines? And I realized if you 
are a good orthodontist and you know biomechanics, which I do, Invisalign is just another tool to move teeth from A to B, depending on the compliance of the patient. So after lockdown, I went back to the boss I work in London, Happy Kids. I said, okay, let's use this new technology on kids. And to my biggest surprise, kids were wearing the device all the time. I had perfect compliance. They loved it. And because the, the bone is so moldable, the speed was just insane. So I got really good results. The kids were happy, parents were happy, and I have grown in the first year using aligners 700%. It opened my eyes. And I thought, okay, so kids works really well, aligners. Adults, lingo works really well because generally, in my opinion, adults do not wear aligners consistently over more than maybe eight to 10 months. So I did not change from lingo to aligners. I still treat most of my adults with lingo because I don't trust the adults doing an aligner, but I treat the kids with aligners. And because my main target group is now children, it seems that I'm just doing aligners. But actually, I'm not. I still do lingo and aligners and some buckle cases, but I do what I love. I do orthodontics. It's so interesting to hear that you're positioning the technology just as a tool at your orthodontic disposal. I've got a question I need to follow up on you on, is that I've heard you lecture many times, and one of the things you describe lingual appliances as is a Ferrari. And you touched on it there that you saw some results of finishing with the liners that weren't very good. Do you think that was their orthodontic knowledge base that resulted in that? Or do you think actually the appliance is equivalent? What do you think? Well, I mean, research is very clear on what works well and what doesn't work well, you know? So talk and all these things, extraction cases, is so challenging with the liners. That's why I'm not doing it. And I still choose a lingual device. But what I do in a consultation is, my, my job is to give patients options and to tell them about the advantage versus disadvantage of each of these options. If I explain a patient, we get better talk expression quicker with a lingual device, they normally want a lingual device because they are, they are quicker, more efficient. But children, they don't know. They want straight teeth. And for phase one treatment, we're not talking about two, three, four degrees of torque discrepancy. It's about getting space for the permanent teeth to erupt and treat the malocclusion. That's it. Therefore, they're not as demanding as adult patients. I still am the opinion, lingual is a Ferrari in cosmetic treatment. I'm much quicker on lingual alignment than I'm with the liners in adults. But the only difference is comfort. Lingual places are not as comfortable as liners. And for one, I need compliance. For the other one, I don't. So depending on the malocclusion I need to treat, I will guide the consultation in the direction I feel is most efficient. If they're equal, so for simple expansion case or mild rotation, then I say to them, maybe I would choose a liner because it's a comfortable ride versus a lingual is uncomfortable. So then I would guide them towards a liner. It depends on the malocclusion, but this is, we are specialists. We have a toolbox and we know which tool is best for the specific problem. And we should use it. 
Stefan, I want to touch on what you mentioned there about the phase one treatment. So you, you, you clearly have an emphasis on interceptive treatment. Do you, do you think it should be a routine part of orthodontics? Um, and you've got the other side of, uh, of the coin where there are uh, a component of orthodontics who think that phase one should be avoided and something that shouldn't really be taking place. Where, where do you stand in that respect? I have traveled to Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and I've seen different health systems. It is surprising that apart from the UK, a lot of other countries doing interceptive orthodontics. And like Germany, it's been paid for, depending on the malocclusion we see at the age of seven, crossbite, open bite, depending on the severity of the malocclusion. So if other countries do it, why not the UK? And, you know, I think it's my duty to explain to parents some other countries do it for this and this reason. If you don't want to do it, that's absolutely fine. But there might be a risk that we don't get the space later and we might need to extract some teeth. Again, my consultation gives education. Generally, parents do not want any risks for teeth taken out. Therefore, they follow my guidance and I stand behind it. All my three children have interceptive orthodontics. I believe in it and none of my kids have any problem with compliance. They don't moan. They do what I say them to do. They have fun doing it. We have children and children who have fun wearing something. This is powerful. Treating a teenager who doesn't want to be in your chair every month is hard. They don't clean. They don't wear elastic. I'm generalizing here. But it's a different ball game to treat teenagers compared to young children. So, And also, don't forget, with social media, the pressure on these growing children is enormous to look well. If they have a gap, I've heard kids pulling my patients a slot machine or whatever they call them. It has a huge impact in their self-esteem. If you can give them a smile that they can grow to teenage age with confidence. What have you done wrong? I don't know. Yes, you can see it as it's too much and all this, but I have guidelines I've learned in Germany. There's, a, there's the American Association of Orthodontics who have a guidelines of interceptive treatment. There are guidelines and I'm sticking by them. And I say to the parents, by the guideline, this is either necessity in Germany, or not. It's a nice to have. But if I say it's a nice to have, it's still the choice of the parent if they want the nice to have or not. If they want it, what do I do wrong of giving it to them? It makes them happy. I'm not doing anything wrong here. Yes, I say to them, in the UK, this would not classify for any treatment right now. But that's it. But in Germany, that might be different. And I would say to them as well, in the UK, you might have had other opinions. Dentists would say, no, come back at the age of 12. And they said to me, yes, that's true. But I had also parents who wanted to see an orthodontist early. They went to UK dentists who have been denied treatment several times. They're coming back to me. I say to them, you have an impacted canine. If we could, or a crossbite, whatever it is, if we would have detected it earlier, we could have treated it differently. The parents are upset that they weren't given the option of treating it early. It is wrong for me to say 
Before 12, no, we never do anything. At least listen to the concern of a parent when they have a concern and give them options. I had a kid protruding teeth. I said that's a high risk for trauma, which is a fact. That's the research. And we listen, what? Two weeks later, the tooth was in. Mm. So just two weeks before we fitted the liners to correct it, the mom was gutted. So I treated him, corrected the overcheck. I put a pontic in to cover the gap. He has now a class fiber pitch, nine years old. I told him the highest risk, especially on boys, is a trauma for increased overcheck. And boom, it happened. So... What have I done wrong? I think what I'm hearing here is that as an orthodontist, a clinician here, doesn't just look at his toolbox, but also very much is looking at the patient and looking at what they're capable of, what their compliance is going to be, and looking at very much what their preferences are in that decision process. I think that's really interesting. It's really quite a powerful thing. It's not just what you are capable of doing. Yeah. It's you are the specialist. They come to you because they want your expertise. Give them your expertise, your education. You know, you read your books, you have your training. You know what has been done in other countries. Tell them. That's all you did. You, your job is to educate a patient. A dentist will never be able to give the same education as you can as an orthodontist. And this is, did I change to Linus? No. I educate parents now and they all come. They come through the door because they say, Oh, he's right. I want to go to him because he has expertise. I have patients traveling two hours now to me because they want my expertise. They trust in me. And then I can choose the, any tool I want, which I believe is the best for that case. It might be lingual, might be buckle, might be liner, might be 3D printing. I don't know. Whatever is best. But this is our power we have. Amazing. Uh, on your on your educational journey, recently you've been, well, for some time now, you've been working on becoming a, a kiosk, uh, a COIS specialist. And now you've now got the accreditation as a COIS specialist, which deals with inclusion. Now, I'm interested to know why you went on that journey. Um, and if this now, this in-depth education on occlusion has now reinforced your previous understanding of occlusion, or if it's changed what you were taught in your orthodontic training. Well, it's it's very it's a nice story actually. Like my wife, I met her now nearly five years ago. She's a COIS credit, and she wanted me as an orthodontist. She said to me, "Do you know function occlusion?" And as we are orthodontists, we say, "Oh yes, of <laughs> course." Class one, class two, class three, we know exactly what it is. And she said to me. I remembered really well. Have you ever seen your cases 20, 30 years later? I said, no, I show you. So she showed me cases with wear, crowding, relapse. So she said to me, why did that happen? I said, I don't know. Oh, you don't know, but you don't. Do you know function, don't you? Why is the teeth worn like this? I don't know. So I, I realized I don't know. So she said to me, you need to go to John Coyce. I said, who's John Coyce? So I went to Seattle and did the first part of the training, treatment planning and occlusion. And I thought, oh, oh, there's much more to function occlusion than just class one, class two, and class three. There's a lot more than that. And we orthodontists in our training, you are, we are meant to go into class one. So in a liner, talking about aligners, we do sequential distalization, move all the teeth back. But what we're not looking at is 
how are actually these teeth moving? How are they, the jaw functioning when they chew, when they speak? What is the envelope of function in that process? So in the training in Settle, I got an understanding of how wear is happening, what's the reason for wear, and how you can avoid it. And that not every class two needs to be in a class one. Sometimes a functionally stable class two is much better than a fourth class one. And look at the research. How often do we hear about lateral open bite as a side effect of aligners? If you touch these front teeth, when they bite together, they are moving. This is a constricted envelope of function because what an aligner does is constrict everything. So what you should not do is that. So what did I learn? Listen, you can't constrict the bite. You can't constrict the envelope of function while you align teeth. You need to respect how a patient is working. Some are moving to the right, some to the left, some to vertically, some horizontally. And what I hear all the time, I'm grinding. I got the grinding tray. No, they don't. They are perfectly contour teeth. They are not grinding. They are not flat. They are just constricted. They're sliding into ICP, into their bite, and that causes them discomfort. And there are certain questions you learn in the course. Do you chewing gum? Do you avoid it? Do you, do, do you see wear on your teeth the last two years? Do you, do you see movement? I say, oh, yeah, I've noticed my teeth are wearing down. Oh, I've noticed the teeth are moving lately. Why is that? Not because I'm grinding. It's because I am constricted. So all you have to do is move the teeth out of constriction, which is sometimes the simplest orthodontic movement you can imagine. What does it bring me? All the interdisciplinary cases with my wife restoratively, she sends to me. And sometimes it's the easiest correction to get a bit of space between these teeth so that she can restore them. Because what you see, especially in London, is a line pleach bond. Most of these bondings, I say that now, will eventually chip off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why is that? Because of the function which wasn't considered. How these patients are actually using jaw. If the teeth are worn and chipped in the first place, there was a reason why they were chipped. So if you add some material there, they will cut us, come off. If you don't correct the problem beforehand. So what John Coyce gave me is, is unbelievable. So much knowledge how dentists are thinking when they need to restore a case. When I hear teeth failing or anything else and there's good hygiene, there's no reason for tooth failing, I know straight away there's something going on. There's overpowering. So I do a scan. I show them the contact points, traumatic bites, etc. It, it's, it's just too much to talk about. But I understand what's going on. That means I can prepare a case without even speaking to a restorative dentist. And I say to them, here we go, do your restorative work. And they say, thank you very much. <laughs> I can do that. Because also what's happening, you will agree, most dentists do a bit of alignment, a bit veneers, a bit of bondé. They are experts in every field. They don't understand. We are the experts in aligning teeth. If I show them I am the expert in aligning teeth, they have no reason to align the teeth themselves because they know he is better than me. He aligns the teeth, I'm restoring them. So it gives me a better team approach and I get eventually some referrals back 
which nowadays is a, is a matter of impossibility that we don't get referrals anymore. Mm-hmm. So I love the training settle and the, the people he trains, they're very humble people and they are one knowledge. And I respect people who never stop learning. And this is what I enjoyed in my journey. And I believe seeing now adults with different eyes, definitely, but also to answer your question, I treat kids differently. I don't need to have a perfect class one in a 12, 13-year-old because I have to respect they're still growing. If I have perfect over by everything, they might be constricted 10, 20 years later. So I explained it to parents. And also, at the end, at the last day, I asked John Coyce, John, you know all these cases you've shown us the last few days with constrictions where if they would have had proper orthodontic treatment 30 years ago, would that have happened? And he clearly said, no. Hmm. So we sometimes don't even know what harm we're causing them 30 years later. And no one will challenge us anyway because we're too far behind. Yeah. But I go there and say, well, you know, it, so it's so much you learn of with, with kids and with adults. But I look at treatment planning kids completely different now than I used to do in dental school and authentic training. Get a class one, sequential digitalization, blah, blah, blah. No. You know, yes, sequential digitalization is a way to open the leeway space in children mm-hmm. to get permanent teeth in. Mm-hmm. But you can see if the teeth move mesial or not. You know, you can do the, the model analysis and everything we are learned in our training, but most of the time they didn't move forward. You know, it's just growth happened. So if you go back, you cut just going to constrict it. And then I've seen so many finished cases. I put the finger on, let them bite together and the teeth are moving. Yeah. What's going to happen? It will be a nightmare. So John Coy's was uh, an experience. I don't regret it. And the money I spent there for the training. It's expensive. But I got back within two, three patients, which came on the first day after I came back. Adult cases, class one. And, you know, this this thirst that you have for education, I just, you know, I saw it happening when you were going into your liners and we had a conversation. And, you know, I was looking into liners myself at the time. We started talking about textbooks. And I think you listed every single published textbook that was available on a liners. Just just incredible work ethic that you I read it. I'm just amazed and amazed. Stefan, just switching tracks here. So just talking about you as a person. So I know you've got three kids. Uh, What kind of stuff do you like doing with the kids? Well, I'm a country boy. Um, I come from South Germany, the mountains. I love outdoor. So anything outdoor, um, I enjoy my kids apart from one. One is more uh, somewhat different, but two of them are always next to me. Okay. Yes, always one odd one. He's always with my wife. So, But the, the two others, they're always with me. I was that one. When I was, I was younger, I was that odd one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, everyone is different. But I'm outside any minute I can be like sunshine and I'm outside, even if it rains like today it was snowing, I'm outside. Yeah. I just like outdoor stuff, anything outdoor, fresh air, skiing, snowboarding, all these things, mountain biking. Well, so, Stefan, well, you've moved around the, the world, right? So you've got Germany, of course, where you're from. You've got Austria, you've got Switzerland, you've got UK. What? Where have you enjoyed living the most? Well, 
I love where I come from. I have the lake, I have the mountains, really good quality of life. So my home is the Lake of Constance. It's by Switzerland, by Austria. Half hour this way is Austria, half an hour this way is Switzerland. So this is my favorite place where I feel home. Fine. Um, now, just going back, I mean, somebody who is, uh, as in my definition, is an early adopter, something new comes out, I think that you'd be using it the next day, if not on the same day. I suppose you then have a better insight as to what the pulse is within orthodontics. So what do you see as the next big thing happening within orthodontics? Um, number one, I think we have, we orthodontists, we need to go back to questioning companies we we shouldn't just believe what companies are telling us what is best because they end of they want to sell a product mm -hmm. we should think about how to use whatever company whatever brand whatever type of tool we want to use what what is this tool good at what is not good at and use it to our benefit so where's the future going the future is going combining the techniques of the market. So I think the future for me is hybrid, which means a bit of 3D printing, a bit of lingo, a bit of um, Invisalign or aligners, Spark, whatever it is. So to combine the different techniques to get from A to B. Personally, I think buckle will not be used as much because the cosmetic drive is there. But lingo, aligners, 3D printing, this is the future and you can go crazy in your design. Like Björn Ludwig is one of the big idols of my career. Like what is Simon Graf? There are so many people who they can with this technology designing your devices. This is what we love orthodontics. We design different things and biomechanics to get from A to B. So I think this is where we orthodontists can be different because no other dentist will even touch it and they are too scared to combine different techniques because they don't have enough fundamental knowledge of about biomechanics what each tool does they believe a company they go on a course and say oh i'm doing it or they even get a third party company who do it for them yeah. so i think we should just engage our knowledge our education and apply the tools we learn on a patient and educate the patient. And I believe then we put so much value on your treatment that you can charge according to that. That's really interesting. That's really insightful as to where you see, see things going forward. Um, on the topic of the people that you've mentioned, and maybe it's somebody else, but I really want to know, you've studied under so many people. Who is it that you admire the most in orthodontics? Who is that person at the top of your chain? That's, I mean, I have so many people like I've lectured with the best people in the world. And um, there's, there's Nual Taraf in Australia. I love him. He's an amazing orthodontist. Pure Ludwig, Benedict Wilmes, my German colleagues. Then Ravinanda is an amazing person. Yeah. Um, then my, my, then Neil Kravitz in the US. He's a smart guy. Um, oh, Stephen, you're, not, you're not answering the question, Stefan. Pin you down. Who is it? Who is it? Can you say it? <laughs> to be honest i think i would say my first boss because i was just at the beginning of my speciality training she believed in me she sent me to every course in the world and she paid for it 
in the whole world, flights, everything included. She said, you're going to do it. And she said, you're going to do lingual. You're going to do mini screws. She pushed me to, to become the best version I could be because she believed in me. And I really respect that, that she did that because it opened my horizon to anything I developed later. Like first time I did lingual brace was 2007. It was my first year of training. You know, and then I did all her cases lingual. So I was thrown into this cosmetic um, way straight away by her because she believed in me. And I think also if I look now, I'm in a position where I could train people. I think to give someone this belief in themselves is very valuable because there's so many orthodontists out there who don't even know where they're standing with all this competition going on. And what I can say to them, you need to find somebody you can look up to who guides you and says, there's, there's, a, there's a market for our specialists to go further. And that belief, I think, so there, like I said, so many good people in the world, but um, just the fact she didn't lecture at all. She was just a really good boss, believing in me, showing me different techniques that after two years of training, I could run her business. And that was at the beginning. And um, I would love to meet her again. It's just that I get emotional thinking about it because this opportunity is rare that someone believes in you like that. Absolutely. So if I pin one down, it's my first boss. That's amazing. I, I mean, I think you're giving such a list of all of the celebrities in orthodontics. I never thought you'd end up being somebody like that, but it just shows you how somebody can touch someone and not be in the limelight in the process. It's a really powerful story. Um, so, Stefan, just to conclude with, what, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to all the orthodontists who are out there? Don't be scared. Um, be clever. Find your way of doing orthodontics and... I believe it's not the adult market. I think kids, there's so much need in the UK for the kids that I would focus on kids. It's it's such a, it changed me as an orthodontist. I'm happy going to work. I'm happy going out of work. Um, everyone tells me how happy I am. It's it's a different way of doing orthodontic with, without the pressure of performing day in now you can actually have fun and we orthodontists we are children end of the day yeah and if you treat children it's just lovely and you can help them and you get a hug that's you get a nice hug at the end of the day from a child that means more than any bottle of champagne or whatever it's just a hug saying thank you so that i would give so focus on the right group don't don't let yourself challenged by other dentists or just believe in yourself. And there are people like me who are always open to help and yourself. What you do is amazing to give education to people. So yeah, be clever and have fun doing what you do. Amazing. What a way to end it into you. Stefan, thank you so much for joining me on this interview. Uh, for the listeners, please do subscribe and look forward to the next episode. Thank you so much.